0: Hi, folks. Mark Lautenschlager here in the control room, which is really just my office at home sitting in front of my MacBook. You could do the same thing that you used to do in a radio studio with a whole bunch of reel-to-reel tape recorders now on a laptop. You have to love that. This is part two of our conversation about the last half of Ephesians chapter six, the armor of God. We split it into two parts because it ran very long, and we realized that each part would be about the same as one of our normal Uh, podcasts. To set this up, uh, when we recorded this, I was here, home, in my home office again, and Sam was on his back porch, and we were using software that linked us up over the internet and allowed us to record this podcast together, even though we were in separate locations. So uh, we're just going to kind of pick up in midstream. If you didn't listen to part one you should go back and listen to part one <laughs> uh, because this one just sort of picks up with verse 17 in stream of consciousness. Uh, so here we go with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. So we come to verse 17. Verse 17 uh, says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, again, you know, Mr. Greek Bible nerd here. Um, the Greek word that's translated for take in verse 17 is a different word that is used for take in verses 13 and verses 16. take in those earlier verses means literally to lift up, like to pick up off something, to lift it upward. but in the verse that's being used the word that's being used here in verse 17 very definitely means to take from someone's hands that is mm-hmm. to receive. So this is different. you know Paul is saying receive. The Helmet of Salvation and the Sword of the Spirit. Um, I just thought that was interesting because yeah. this idea that our, that salvation is not something that we take. Salvation is something that we receive. Same thing with yeah. the Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We receive those things.
1: Yeah, and he has spent a, a significant portions of this book talking and emphasizing how salvation is the gift of God, that it's nothing you earn or deserve. It's It's purely the goodness of God to give it to you.
0: Now, the first thing I thought of with helmet is that the helmet protects the head. That would be mm-hmm. protecting the mind, um, and that it's also joined together with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit because they all go together. You know, faith it says comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and then when we when we believe, when we have faith, then that brings salvation, which is being sealed by the Spirit, which protects our minds from the deceiving tactics of the evil one. You know, it's like so all of these things work together. You're not gonna you're mm-hmm. not gonna say, Well, I've got the shield of faith, but you know what? I don't want to cover up my good looks, so I'm not gonna wear the helmet of salvation. <laughs> you know, and instead of the sword of the spirit, I'm thinking I was just gonna carry this six foot foot long sandwich in case I get hungry. You know, there's not you know, these these things all work together because they're – because Only
1: you and I would have the – we would be carrying the six-foot-long sandwich. Well, you know,
0: the things that you worry about when you're sitting home alone with nothing to do, you worry about your next meal. That's really what this is, all about. This is all about. I'm just imagining Roman running from,
1: army running out into the field into battle with a guy coming with a six-foot-long sandwich.
0: And, and, and flowing blonde hair because he does not wear yeah, his yeah. helmet. You know what they call that guy, don't you? Dead, dead, first dead, yeah, first dead guy. So, uh, but the, but the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These things, I think, are all sort of intrinsically connected. They're a set, you know, and they all work together uh, to produce this salvation that yeah. uh, is used to protect our mind. Um, and the so, I, oh, go ahead, sorry, I just
1: gonna I was gonna toss that out to you, like when you think of your salvation, because I was I was up in bed three or four nights ago preparing for this, and I thought, you know, God, thank you so much for this passage because I really needed it. But when you think of how does the helmet of salvation protect your mind, what what would you say?
0: Well, the the first thought of the helmet of salvation protecting my mind is this idea that I would have this certainty of of my standing with God, that I would have this idea that – and I think the other thing, too, is that for me, it makes me feel like i'm that my salvation makes me feel like i 'm part of another kingdom that mm-hmm. that yeah i'm here but you know what mm-hmm. this world isn't my home anymore this isn't my mm-hmm. kingdom anymore and as i'm looking at this like our current situation again um, i'm looking at what's the worst that could happen to me the worst that could happen to me is that I could get the coronavirus and covid nineteen and I could have pneumonia and I could die that happens to people yeah so that's the but that's the worst thing that could happen to me would be that I would go on to The next kingdom. I would go on to that heavenly kingdom, you know? So my salvation is also part of that thing tied in with faith that keeps me from fear.
1: And I think one of the ways that that, you know, you hear people say that a person is so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good, and I was thinking about this when I was having this thought laying in bed, you know, when I start thinking about all the plans and how how life is going to be different and what I need to do and da-da-da-da-da, if if my hope, if my treasure is all the stuff in this world, you know, it's it's my identity, it's my paycheck, it's my job, it's my this, that, and the other. If that, mm-hmm. if that is what I is my ultimate, then I'm going to be bound and enslaved to make every decision for that. Mm-hmm. But if, like you're talking about, I realize that I've got another kingdom. That and it has an unshakable inheritance, and it's mine. And and the love of Christ is on me. And the worst thing that can happen to me is that I'm taken into eternal paradise with God. Then I'm actually freed up to live in this life, caring sure. for others and letting go of my treasures and and doing you know amazing things. I'm gonna I'm gonna read something that C.S. Lewis said that I thought kind of goes along with that. And I just, because we can't have a podcast without quoting C.S. Lewis. That's
0: true. This is It's the rule, by the way. It actually is the rule. We are required to have C.S. Lewis in every (laughs) podcast.
1: But he says this, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we're to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. Hmm. And I thought, man, that is so brilliant because if I focus on what I have that's absolutely secure in Christ, in heaven, awaiting me, like the, it's sealed now I'm all this petty trinkets that this world has when you come to a crisis like this like I can live with open hands trusting the Lord and I can let go of what other people view as their gods to serve people mm. and to love people mm. sacrificially it's, it really makes a difference but if this is all I have I'm going to hold on to it with a death grip and I'm going to live for myself It's only when you have your treasure somewhere else that you can let go of the treasures you have here to love people.
0: Mm. And it's also why you don't have to buy 500 rolls of toilet paper.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's what everybody's thinking.
0: I'm like, what are they going to do with all the toilet paper? You may, didn't we Remember back in the day When it used to be something We'd put in the trees At the neighbor's house You know It's like
1: That's awesome So uh, yeah, I, yeah I wonder You would be a pariah If you went toilet papering Houses right now
0: Yeah you really would <laughs> Although there'd probably Be people behind you Coming and pulling it all down And rolling it back up again. Rolling it back up yeah. yeah They wouldn't be upset Oh someone put toilet paper On my house This is great you know, Yeah
1: so. Now it's like a public service It is
0: Yeah So, <laughs> um, so yeah Yes, you know, I think that you know, I think that those things are true about the uh, about the helmet of salvation. That uh, that when you understand it correctly, that it's transforming you to be a citizen of heaven as well as a citizen of this world. I mean, you're both. You know, you got dual citizenship right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that your your eventual home is heaven. You're right. It does. It frees me up to not have to cling to things and not have to be, um, you know, to be it's to be more generous with everything, not just physical yeah. things like money and toilet paper. Um, but I can I'm generous with my time. I'm generous to I'm generous just in general with people because I don't. This is not this isn't my, this isn't what defines me. This is this treasure that I have. This is just stuff that I've been loaned for a while. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all going to be gone soon enough. You know.
1: Yeah, and so focusing on that truth, I was watching... A video Of these Tribal hunters That would go out And try to capture monkeys And, I, and I've seen this Elsewhere Seriously so you, were,
0: you were watching a video <laughs> About catching monkeys
1: it, it, Because it was It was In preparation For this
0: Oh alright okay. But
1: what the hunters Would do is They would take these Treats and they would Go out to a Hollowed out tree That had a hole And then they would Drill the hole So that it was Just big enough For the treat To fit through mm-hmm. And you watch And you know The monkey or baboon Or whatever it was Would come up And put its Hand through the hole, grab hold of the treat, and then it couldn't. The hole was too small to pull the hand holding the treat back out. But they wouldn't let go of the treat, like so. They were literally stuck with their hand in the hole of this tree, and freaking out and screeching and doing everything else. But for as long as it sat there waiting for this hunter to come back, and and put a, it didn't kill the guy. Didn't kill it, but put a rope around its neck and took it off like a pet or something. But this thing would not let go of the treat and the tree, and I thought, you know that's that's oftentimes how we are. We grab hold of all these things that end up enslaving us, and by having our eyes fixed on a kingdom where our hope is secure, we can let go of the things of this world, you know, and and really have freedom here.
0: Isn't there like an Aesop's fable about that too? I think so,
1: because I, I am saying, one it about, sounds familiar, I, I think but I can, one about I'll, send you the, monkey, I'll send you the video. There's
0: something about a monkey trying to get dates from a jar, puts his hand in the jar, grabs a bunch of dates, yeah. and won't let go. Uh, and somebody offers him the wise advice to let go of what he's holding, and he refuses to do it, and I so he, heard it before. he dies, or something like that. Aesop's Fable always has, somebody's always dying in an Aesop's Fable. You know, it's like, it's, it's just a, it's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> but it, that's actually how
1: I got started. I knew I'd heard that story before, so I Googled "monkey hand hole small" or something, yeah. <laughs> something like that, and came up with this, with these tribal hunters, wow. catching monkeys.
0: Googling a series, it's, it's of a words, real thing. Googling a series of words like that, yeah. Sam, you're lucky you didn't come up with some other stuff. Oh, say, good
1: grief! What words did I say?
0: You know, monkey hole small. Just, I'm just suggesting yes. that could have brought up some other stuff. Google is a Warning. dangerous place. Do like, not
1: Google, Google those words. Right. That was not what I googled.
0: Right? Okay. <laughs> so, and it says now also it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know. That is such a powerful thing. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God because the Spirit is the one that inspired the writers of Scripture. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 21 reads, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's just... Um, I, I love that verse, too, because that talks to me about the process of inspiration because some people will say to me, oh, you, are you trying to say that... that You know, you'd say that God authored the scriptures and men just wrote it down. But then you tell me, this guy used this word and that guy used that word. And so, which is it? Is it God's word or is it the guy's word? And I'm like, it's both. It's God's word, but it's also the words of the people that wrote it down. And the reason for that is it doesn't say that the spirit here is pounding little, speaking in their ear or pounding. It says it's carrying them along. It's like the spirit it was, a, it was a combination. The Spirit inspired them, but used them as well, used their words and understanding and knowledge and pictures and, and experiences. Yeah. It's this cooperative thing. The Spirit carried them along. It didn't replace them. It didn't, it didn't grab their hand and make them start writing and moving the pen for them or whatever. It was something that it was a cooperative mm-hmm. thing. The Spirit inspired it, but also used the human agents and... I just think that's yeah, a really I mean, cool I, thing about about inspiration of Scripture is that it's not something where you, dis, you don't discard the human agency in it, but you also recognize that yeah. the Spirit is carrying him along.
1: Yeah, that's in 2 Corinthians where it talks about how we're all letters from Christ. It's that same kind of an idea, like… You're, you're a letter from Christ, so it's the Spirit empowering you to do that, and yet you have agency in how you live. It's, it's, you know, the story of salvation that comes from God. It's like, okay, well, God used Moses to cross the Red Sea, so which is it? Which one? It's like, well, no, God used Moses to bring these things about. It's the same idea and inspiration. Mm-hmm.
0: Revelation 19.15 describes a sharp sword coming from the mouth of Christ and being used to strike down the nations in this battle. And I thought, you know, it's an interesting connection to me. The words of God, which are in the mouth of Christ, are now in the hands of his followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, Hebrews 4.12, our, our favorite verse for anybody that talks about s- scriptures and swords, Hebrews 4.12, for the word <laughs> of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart you know the word of God is two edged it, it convicts some and leads to conversion and condemns others but that's the work of the spirit yeah it's like we're, we're there to bring the word of God but the spirit is the one that works
1: you know and that's, that's that's putting a big claim on the word of God you know it's saying it's living and it's active and you notice in that passage it gives verbs and those verbs belong to the word it's piercing to the division of the soul it is discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart so it's you know I've heard Pastor Tom use this expression before but when you read the scriptures the scriptures are reading you (laughs) You (laughs) that is a good one yes I mean really like you're you all of a sudden get convicted you see wisdom sometimes you're moved to tears at it's beauty you know it's it really does go to work inside of you and so one of the things that I love about this idea of the sword it is picked up all throughout the scriptures right so right from the beginning of Genesis when Adam and Eve you know rebel against God and spit in his face and say we don't want anything to do with you and they're removed from the garden it's an angel holding a sword that divides right divides Adam and Eve from the presence and you go on and you get to Solomon and the idea if the sword is not conquest, I'm not coming to, to just cut people down. It's always to reveal a heart. So when you get Solomon, his great act of wisdom, when the two prostitutes come and one of them had a dead child, one of them had a living child, and they're both claiming the living child. When Solomon says, bring me the sword, what does the sword do? It reveals the heart of the true mother and the one that, that desperately wants life yields and Solomon knows. Okay, that's the one. And so when you get to when you get to Jesus, when, one of the most troublesome. I remember when I was early in my faith. I remember reading the passage where Jesus says, "Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I came to bring a sword." And you think, "What? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds nothing like the Jesus I know." But this is what he's talking about—that sword that comes and it's going to reveal where your ultimate affections are right. when you read the word and it's you know it's like that passage we talked about several weeks ago many will come to me on that day saying lord lord did i not do all these things in your name but i'm going to say to you i never knew you that that word pierces and it reveals in you like is my allegiance to Jesus is my love for him? Am I all in for him, or am I clinging to all this stuff over here like those those sharp words cut right to your heart, and that's the idea that word comes and it's going to separate when when he comes on that final day with the sword coming from his mouth it's that sword is going to separate based on the condition of
0: hearts mm and that's if, the idea, and, and and you know, it's true that if you're if you're not among God's people, you know, if Jesus is coming to you with the Word of God, you're not going to have peace. If you if you if you hear the Word of God and you know that it's true, and yet you are not one of His followers, that's a word that's not going to leave you with a lot of peace. It's going to be convicting you about yourself. It's going to be it's going to be driving you to make a decision. Uh, mm-hmm. And for those of us who are followers of Christ. It doesn't always make us peaceful either. I mean, it does bring us peace at times, but there's times when it doesn't. Because what it does for me, at least, is it lays bare my real motives. You know, I, I go mm-hmm. back and read something in the Bible, and I see myself there. And I see the motives of the person that's being talked about or the situation that's being talked about. And when you see yourself in that moment, you realize what your motives are. And sometimes that's not A very peaceful thing either <laughs> Yeah You know It's not always peace True. You know It sometimes is It sometimes is But it's not always peace
1: But uh, it gets back to Even even in those moments Where it feels like That's just piercing Right to your heart When you know the character of God, you know that, you know, His kindness leads to repentance. You know that you can go with those failures and He's going to receive you and love you and forgive you and His mercies are new every morning and it never jeopardizes your standing before Him. And all of that goodness makes you want to yield to To him even more not to be driven into the dirt but to go my goodness in spite of all this he still sings over me he Mm. still loves me he's Mm. still faithful to me how could i not want to be with him and that's where the sword it drives you to further obedience and further submission and love
0: Mm. that's good so verse 18 reads, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Mm-hmm. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. If you're following my inflections there, I was struck by the word yeah. all. All, all,
1: all. <laughs> all, all, all. Yeah. four
0: times, you know, and it to, it was like it was so plain. It's like prayer is a principal activity in the mm-hmm. spiritual battle. When we armor up, what do we do then? we pray it's like get your armor on get down on your knees <laughs>
1: yeah um, well and and i think you i think putting on the armor is an act of prayer you know and when i was when i was going through this passage part of the the thing that was really cool you know just anxious about what is this going to mean for all of life, you know. Both of us work full time, and now we're 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 full. You know, my wife is moving away from her forty-hour-a-week job to homeschool, and what is that going to mean? What does that mean for employment? And my mind starts racing, right? And it's in prayer. You know, you 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 don't you don't put on the armor absent of prayer. You put on the armor. In prayer, sure, you know, it's like you know, I'm putting on this breastplate. Lord, what is it that you have given me? You've given me a righteousness, my standing isn't dependent upon anything else in this world, and you've given me a helmet of salvation. I know where my treasure is. You have given, you've withheld nothing for me. You've given me your son, the life of your son. What more could I ask for you? And now you've promised to share your kindness with me in abundance forever. You've secured my home. You, I've got a better citizenship. And I mean, you go through all the different armor and prayer. And by the time you get done saying you've given me this and you've given me this and you've given me this, and you're literally imagining suiting up. And what all of that means, by the time you get done putting on that armor, there is no chance in hell the enemy is going to move me off-center.
0: Yeah. mm so verse 18 reads, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And if you're following my inflections there, <laughs> you can see that there's a word that keeps getting repeated all four times in that verse, you know. So it was apparent to me, Sam, that the prayer is a principal activity in this Absolutely. spiritual battle. It's like when we armor up, what do we do? You get down on your knees and pray.
1: That's right, and in fact, putting on the armor is is actually you do that in the midst of praying, so you know when 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 I was in my bed, you know struggling with all the thoughts and things and wondering what this whole new season is going to mean for my family and my job and this that, and the other, one of the things that was helpful having gone being. In the midst of this passage is you literally stop and you think through, okay, I'm going to put on the armor and I'm going to do it in front of the Lord, remembering what each and every one of these things means. And so, you you know, you put on the helmet of salvation and you think, okay, this is… This is what it means to me that i 've got a hope that 's beyond these current circumstances. I put on the breastplate of righteousness and I stop for a moment and I remember that it 's not about my performance it 's not about me trying to be right because he was right for me, and so now he covers my heart i 'm good you know I put on you know the shield of faith and and I take up a you know I take up the sword of the spirit you know when you walk through all these things by the time you get done in the process of prayer. You're not doing these apart from prayer. You're doing them in prayer. But by the time you get done reflecting all that Christ has done to clothe you and arm you and protect you, it's like, you know, no scheme of hell has any shot of moving me off center. I'm just, I'm in him. I'm strong.
0: So if I can go all Bible nerd on you here for a minute, Um, there's no article in this book Verse for the Spirit. The word "the" has been added by the translators. You know, they've made the decision that uh, that it's referring to the Holy Spirit. But in the Greek, it's just praying at all times in spirit. Um, And Hmm. and so, as I thought about that, I'm like, you know, I think there's a double meaning that's likely intended here. But it's idea that we both pray. In the spirit and the spirit prays in us Romans 8:26 and 27 says that the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words I also think it could be a reference to praying with both of both our spirits the part of us that is the connected to God and communicates with God at that sort of supernatural level His spirit talks to, you know communicates with our spirit and our minds 1 Corinthians 14 verses 14 and 15 says, "For if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what am I to do?" I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. And there are those times where, you know, when you come to God in prayer, there will be those times where it just comes to you, pray for this. And it just makes no sense, you know. Um, and and you go with it. You you pray for that. You know, It's you don't know why you're praying for it. You don't understand It, it doesn't make any sense to your mind. Why am I praying for, you know, Sam's, big toe or whatever. Why did this happen, you know? And then at some... <laughs> I mean I,
1: ironic I, that you say that.
0: Do you have a problem with your big toe? I have a planter's wart on the bottom of my big toe. Well, there you go. In mean, my spirit, I'm being told, I'm not, we, I'm not with you. We're physically apart by several miles doing this virtual podcast, so there was something that told me it was your toe. I don't know i it was just an example I picked, yes. but this idea that i mean i've heard I've heard this story from people time and time and time again, and that's happened to me where you 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 come to God in prayer, you're in a time of prayer and and the more that you pray something just comes to you pray for this and it it's mm. out of left field it's out of nowhere um you know, and that's you know you're praying in your spirit you know it's like and so I just think it's I guess my point is here that by the fact that that article the isn't there that it's not Mm -hmm. in the original manuscripts it's not clear that it's the Holy Spirit I think I think it can be I think he's referring to that but he's also referring to the fact that this whole that that prayer itself is this supernatural activity that is spiritual on every level. And that yeah. there are that there's these things in which, you know, we pray in the Spirit, in our spirit. The Spirit prays in and for us. You know, all of those things. So, you know, it it kind of just goes along with that all. It's like all, all, mm-hmm. all. All this you pray at all times, you have all prayer and supplication, all perseverance, all the saints. Well when you're talking about spirit It really, it's encompassing to everything.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that uh, if you really stop and think about it, and there's other passages in Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, where it talks about how we're to clothe ourselves in Christ, you know, if you really boil all of these different pieces of armor down, all of them are Jesus. You know, it's Jesus is our righteousness. Mm -hmm. He is the truth. He's the word. He's our gospel. He's our salvation. He is the object of our faith. And so it it compartmentalizes these things so that we can pray through them and give thanks for each of these six things that we get to carry around as our armor. But all of it is from the hand of Jesus. And so like when and in the terms of spiritual warfare, you know, I like to think of, of prayer as like the most essential part. It's. It's like, you know, if you go back to World War II, one of the chief strategies of the the armies were to cut off each other's supply lines. Mm-hmm. Because if you were cut off from supply lines, everything withered and perished. Like, the soldiers were left with no reinforcements, no supplies, and they would ultimately die from either starvation or lack of ammunition or fuel or whatever. When When you're talking about how we're praying in spirit – It's like there's this unseen supply line that the Lord is giving you more of himself. He's strengthening you more and more and more. And so if if the enemy, I mean, one tact that the enemy could, could, if he could succeed at cutting off your supply line, your communication line with your commander and the one who sustains you and strengthens you, if he can cut off that line, you're done. You're done. And so the reason why Paul gets done with this metaphor of all the armor, but then it's like he jumps up and down and says, at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication, all perseverance, you know, like he's getting serious as he's saying, all of that will fail if your line to your maker, to your savior is cut. So you've got to be totally in communion with him supply lines open communication lines open so that he can guide you in the battle and give you the best best fighting shot and comfort you in the midst of it and strengthen your armor and all that stuff he's saying this is the most important piece do not neglect prayer
0: Mm. Mm. that's good And verse 19, where it reads, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You know, it's um, when you read that, first blush, again, English translations being what they are, you think, oh, Paul's asking you to pray for him. But actually, the preposition that he's using there for for really sort of means on my behalf. Paul's like, pray on my behalf. And he's requesting that we pray for his words. Uh, And I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. because— he says that although he's imprisoned, he's he's waiting trial. He he knows that the words that he's going to speak during his imprisonment and at his trials are going to reach the reach these listeners and influence them and be carried by those same listeners, you know, to the ends of the earth. Um, so in verse twenty, he says, "For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." Now, the Greek noun here for chains is actually chain. It's singular. That's a singular word. Paul did not say chains. He said chain, singular, and that's important because that's a reference to the Romans when they would uh, when they would bring somebody into house arrest, which is what Paul was under. He had a, he had some great degree of personal freedom. He wasn't bound up in prison. He was in he was allowed to stay in a sort of a private by himself, you know. The Romans would tether their prisoners to one of their soldiers using this single chain in a sort of house arrest or free custody. And that's the way that Paul was being being held. In Acts twenty eight, verses sixteen, and then in verse twenty, Paul says that he was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier. And then he refers to himself as that's why I'm wearing this chain, singular. Now the reason I keep bringing that up is or the reason I bring that up is uh, that Paul's freedom to move about is important because it explains how the gospel becomes known to all of the Roman guards. In Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 Paul's writing to Philippi, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, he's not saying that all the guards became believers but he's saying they were definitely, they're definitely aware of the gospel. They, the gospels become known among them, and no doubt some did come to faith. You know? Those Roman converts that moved on to other posts and locations, you know, they helped to explain how the early church spread as far and as fast as it did. You know, Paul was an ambassador in a chain because he was speaking to them on behalf of this new kingdom. I just thought the imagery was cool. There, that, that you know, it when he says I'm an ambassador in chains, you're like, I don't get that. He's an ambassador, but is, so he's in cha- He's in prison because he's an ambassador. No, he's saying that the chain is what's making him an ambassador. It's it's this chain is part of that. It's brought him here, and he sees that that it's brought him to the people that he's supposed to bring this gospel to, uh, because he knows it's going to spread from there. I don't know. I just it, to me, I thought that it was cool. Uh, that the to understand that he knew the importance of his imprisonment you know he wasn't looking at it like oh man god you've put me in this situation i'm supposed to be the apostle to the gentiles how come i'm not out leading church among the gentiles (laughs) no paul was able to see with clarity that god had put him in this situation this house arrest specifically because this was how the gospel was going to go in part to the gentiles
1: you know, one of the things when I when I look at this verses nineteen and twenty together, the fact that when he's when he's offering up a prayer request for how they can pray for him, you know, and he's in captivity and he's going to trial and everything else, his prayer isn't you know, pray for my release, his or make it more comfortable. I'm terrified, whatever. Which I'm sure that there was it was frightening. His prayer is that the gospel would go forth, and and just thinking that through, like you can't offer up a prayer like that unless you're in, unless you're you're clothed in all the armor of the gospel that he just mentioned. And it's kind of a, a fun exercise. And I was just sitting here thinking about it as we're talking, like, what would this armor have meant to Paul? Like, when Paul puts on the helmet of salvation in the midst of his circumstances and the shield of faith, like, you know, we've got pretty petty <laughs> situations in most of our lives. Paul is dealing with unbelievable trials um and had gone through immense suffering and for him to say you know put this on this as david said this is the tested armor <laughs> you know this this will not fail you and he can go so boldly and write things you know that's like don't don't worry about me i'm secure pray that my words would advance the gospel. It's just, I love that faith, man. It's bold. It makes me jealous. Mm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. It was, you know, it, it, you, you have to think about the fact that all of these things that we've been reading, uh, this whole epistle, for a matter of fact, was written while he was being detained. And so that has to influence everything. I mean, everything that we read and have read in Ephesians or any of his other prison epistles, And as you're saying, you have to read it with a filter of how would he have, you know, what would this have meant to him Uh, being in that situation, you know, being, you know, we find ourselves now sort of under a form of house arrest. Also, you know, we're, we're in our homes, we're really not supposed to go anywhere, except to buy toilet paper, uh, which you can't buy, because there (laughs) isn't. any, Um, So, you know, we're in our homes, we're stuck here. But at the same time, that's also we have to believe that's where God has put us, and and things kind of take on a new meaning in that environment. That's right. So, um, final greetings. Paul goes through uh, verses twenty-one to twenty-four. He said, "So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing." Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, uh, Tychicus was an Asiatic brother, it says, that he, uh, he was from Asia. Uh, he was a close associate to Paul, and he took the letters to Ephesus and Colossae. He took the uh, Eph- Ephesians and Colossians. He, he delivered those letters.
1: Yeah, usually in the in the Bible when it mentions Asia, that's usually talking about like modern
0: day Turkey. Yes, he would have been Turkish. Uh, what we what we think of today is Turkish. Right. Uh, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now. That incorruptible word is, you know, again, Bible nerd time. I landed on that for a second. Incorruptible. What's in, The word that he's using there is a word that means unchanging or eternal or permanent. This point is it's not going to be corrupted by time or circumstance or anything else. Um, that this love that we're to have for Jesus is this love that is permanent. It's, it's unchanging. And I thought it's interesting. It's in stark, you know, it's a benediction and it's really in stark contrast to what there's in 1st Corinthians 16 there's a malediction. 1st Corinthians 16:22 reads, "If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come." And I thought to myself as I was looking at that I thought, you know, the difference between being blessed or being cursed rests upon whether you love Jesus. You know? How do you, where's your relationship with Jesus? How do you love Jesus? Do you, do you love him? Do you know him? Does he know you?
1: There's a sense here also, like as Paul is wrapping this up and he's sending his greetings, you know, in my mind, I think the last time that he saw them face to face, he was being chased out of town. You know, his life was in danger. He was going back to face a trial. And I'm sure in his absence, everybody was thinking, how is the Apostle Paul going to face this great persecution, mm-hmm. the the calling. And so when he says, you know, you wanted to know how we are, and I've sent him that he may encourage your hearts, it's like Paul is saying, this has not budged me at all, and I want you guys to be encouraged as you're suffering, nothing is going, nothing is going to tear me away from my faith in Christ. My hope is still yeah. him no matter what I'm going through. And then he turns around. You know, it's, it's almost like Christ from the cross. He's about to face, the, you know, the, the ultimate, right? You know, he's, he knows he's going to face death, and he's still spouting out blessings, you know, mm-hmm. and hear Paul signing off in and, and the midst of his circumstances, which I'm sure seemed pretty dire, yeah. and it's peace to the brothers. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love and Incorruptible, And you have to know that those people who, who loved Paul, I mean, it would be like if I heard, Mark, that you, something had happened to you and you were taken and you were facing these crazy, crazy challenges to your faith. If I got a letter from you wondering how you were doing and I loved you and you had led me into the Lord and deepened my faith and I was sitting there going, I hope he's okay, I hope the Lord's encouraging him, I hope the Lord is sustaining him, and I got a letter from you that said, <laughs> you know, there's nothing that's going to pull me away from the Lord. And in fact, you're encouraging me, as Paul has in this epistle, and you close by throwing out your blessings to me. I keep, it's going to fuel my heart. It's it's So Paul really here is being a shepherd to these brothers and sisters that are in Ephesus, who no doubt had been really concerned about him. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I'm good. <laughs> I'm enchained, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've got the Lord. I don't need anything else.
0: Well, I think we'll let that stand as our last word uh, because it was Paul's last word here from Ephesians. I have enjoyed this series from the book of Ephesians. If we're going to do the same thing with the the uh, Philippians and Ecclesiastes series, I look forward to that also. Uh, but uh, this this has been an interesting experience, Sam. The virtual uh, podcast has been an inter- interesting experience. Uh, I think yeah. it's worked okay.
1: Yeah, hasn't been the nightmare that I thought. Yeah. I mean apart from the crotch rocket going up the turnpike and the the birds chirping everywhere, which have been kinda nice.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's long I'm a lot
1: sweatier than I would be in in the studio. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um hopefully that's not yeah. because you're running a fever.
1: Yeah, true. Uh,
0: So, uh, folks, we encourage you all to follow along with the messages as well, the One Body, One Mission series at Rio Vista Community Church. Those will continue with virtual church this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. You can catch the full service online or it'll be available immediately after the service is over. It'll be available on our website, it'll be available on YouTube, it'll be available on Facebook, and then we always pull the message itself out at some point and add that to the series archive that's on the website. So, uh, We hope that you're keeping up with the messages as well as the podcast because these two things really are designed uh, to work together. We invite you to visit our website at riovistachurch.com to Join us in the, we have still have 20 days left in the uh, 40 day of prayer for Lent. So if you want to follow along with the last half of that, these are, each one of these really, they build on each other, but they also stand alone. You get a daily, um, uh, a daily push or email from our system that has a, a, a verse and some meditations, a lot of times from Andrew Murray, uh, and a prayer prompt, and Sam's being joined by his children. Uh, we almost made it through the whole podcast. We Say almost hi, made it. Say hi, Nathan.
1: He's got a blanket in his mouth and a banana in the other hand. There you go.
0: Well, this is how the virtual <laughs> podcast ends. Um, and uh, so there's, there's all kinds of great resources there for you at our website. Uh, you can also go to our page on the website. That's out slash water to catch up on all the back episodes of our podcast. And we'll be back next week with another in our series. Uh, we'll see what we're going to ta- I don't even know what we're going to talk about next week, but we'll find out next week because we will see you then.